0: got a bible with you or the words will be appearing on the screen going to read from the gospel of john chapter 20 and from verse 1 early on the first day of the week while it was still dark mary magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance so she came running to simon peter and the other disciple the one jesus loved and said they have taken the lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along straight behind him, went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and said to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Lord, we're just amazed by these accounts in the Gospels of you being risen from the dead. And we just pray in the few brief moments that we have this morning, that something of the hope of that first Easter will burst alive in our hearts. Lord, help us to gaze once again at you as the risen Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. A few years ago, after Claire and I had got married, we went to Dubai. Uh, anyone been to Dubai? It's a bit warm. If you've been, it is, it is very warm. Now, the good thing for me about going to Dubai was Claire was going on a work trip. She worked for Emirates Airline at the time, and she was all paid for and everything like that. I got to go, now this is the bargain of the century, for 45 pounds, for four nights in a four-star hotel. What could be better than that? A bargain. So we packed to go. Claire said very kindly she would put all the clothes in the suitcase because I was working right up until the time when we went to the airport. We got to the airport. We flew. Everything was fine. Got to the hotel. You step into the, the outside world there and it is literally like stepping into an oven. It is boiling hot. So I go and get changed. Well, I try to. I opened the suitcase to find in the suitcase of four pairs of socks that is it. (laughs) That is it. That's all the clothes I had with me and the ones I had on. So the first part of that holiday was a clothes buying trip. (laughs) Not exactly my idea of fun particularly, but forgetting things. We all forget things, don't we? We all forget things, sometimes we forget to set our alarm clock, sometimes we forget to get the shopping, sometimes we forget to put the recycling bin out and then we're left with all this mountain of stuff that we don't know what to do with. Forgetting is absolutely normal, it's natural, we all have to live with it. But what about being forgotten? What about being forgotten? That is quite different, isn't it? If you feel that you've been left out of something, that can be really painful and hurtful. I can always remember still being at primary school, I've probably told this story before, so apologies, being stood there while the football teams were picked. And my best friend would be there picking the teams, and he would overlook me. And then everybody else would get picked, and I would still be stood there. There is no place for me in a football team. There is no question in football of which I am the answer. But that's the way, that's painful, isn't it? to feel that you are left out. It's one of the greatest fears of a human being, to feel that we don't matter, that we're not important to anyone. John chapter 20 sits on the cusp of hope. It's where the narrative in John's gospel starts to change. Now, we were journeying with John last Sunday. We were journeying through the events of Palm Sunday, where there's those crowds going into Jerusalem, singing praise. We journeyed right through to the time when Peter... Who'd sung the praises on Palm Sunday is there at the crunch time at the fire and he denies Jesus. If you were with us or were watching on Good Friday, you will have seen that we went right to the desolation of the cross and beyond to actually the emptiness of Easter Saturday. When for those first followers of Jesus, those followers of Jesus who had felt they had belonged and that they were part of something, well, all that hope has gone. All hope goes when somebody dies. That's what happens. When you're in the tomb, there is nothing more to say. Three years of accumulated hope is dashed to pieces. Jesus had told them of God's love for them, that in him was supreme evidence of God's love. And yet it appears as that tomb is sealed, that so the hope goes with it. But then the gospel writers tell us in various ways that on that first Easter Sunday morning, Some of the women go down to the tomb, and they go down to anoint the body with spices. Now, John doesn't give us too much detail on that one, but what he does say is about Mary Magdalene, and the focus of these verses is really all about Mary and her conversation with the risen Jesus. Now, in John's Gospel, Mary is only mentioned once previously, and that's at the time of the crucifixion. The other Gospels tell us a bit more about her. They tell us she was somebody who was a big supporter of Jesus. She was often there. She was somebody who'd had evil driven out of her. But actually, she's received a bit of a bad press over recent years because in 591, Pope Gregory the Great decided she was a prostitute. Not quite sure why. It's not in the Bible. And so there's always this hangover that Mary was some kind of woman who'd led that that kind of life before. The Bible doesn't tell us that. It tells us she was somebody who was committed to following Jesus. And so Mary, while it's still dark, she goes to the tomb. And she sees, to her surprise, that the stone has been rolled away. Now, her first reaction, as she comes back and tells this to the disciples, is a very rational one. You know, if the stone's been rolled away, what do you think's happened? Well, somebody's gone into the tomb, they've taken the body. It could have been a grave robbery. They were common in this time. It could have been that somebody has moved the body to another tomb. But that's the kind of rational way we think, isn't it? We don't expect something so unexpected as resurrection. So she simply says, they have taken the Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and John then run in in this account here, and it's interesting. John sees, and he starts to believe. He starts to realize something amazing has happened. But they both of them leave Mary crying. She's there at the graveside in tears. She is weeping for the hope, for the Jesus, the friend that she has lost. But then as that passage goes on, the events start to quicken. First of all, there's the angels. She recognizes the angels, interestingly. But she sees the angels. And they say, what are you here for? Why are you here? What's going on? Then after that, she sees the risen Christ. But she doesn't recognize him. She thinks that he is the gardener. Well, who else would you think it was at that time of the day? It's early, early in the morning. She's in this place. that There's a sort of garden and tombs around the place. She's probably thinking this is the person looking after this place. But she engages the risen Christ in conversation. She's still logic. She's still there, thinking it all through, thinking practically what has happened. But just pause for a moment. Let's just pause and think actually what is going on behind these scenes. What is happening is singularly the most important event in the history of the world. If this event, as John records it, is historical, if it is true, it changes absolutely everything. There is not a single part of our experience that is not touched by the resurrection if it is true. The resurrection here, it doesn't happen with the sound of trumpets, it doesn't happen with some great parade, It doesn't happen as Jesus marches into Jerusalem on the back of a white horse, proclaiming that he's risen. It doesn't happen as Jesus goes for a PR meeting with some executives to decide how to publicize the resurrection. It doesn't even happen with Jesus appearing to the rabbis and the teachers of the law, proving them that he was right and they were wrong. No. We're in the point of being in a garden with Jesus talking to a woman who is crying. A woman in grief. A woman all alone. A woman, by simply being a woman, her testimony wouldn't have been credible at the time. The risen Lord, the conqueror of death, engages in a conversation with a human being. I love verse 16. If you've got a Bible, just look at verse 16. There's this brief conversation between Jesus and Mary. And then he turns to her and simply says her name. If you want evidence of the love of God, I think this verse sums it up in just one word. The risen conqueror of death calls Mary by her name. She is not forgotten. She is not forgotten. She has been remembered. She belongs. She is part of something bigger than herself. Just as the thief on the cross we heard on Good Friday, he asked Jesus to remember him when he comes into paradise, and he is remembered too. He is known, he is loved, he is accepted. But just think of this context. What is going on here is something far bigger than Mary. And yet Jesus calls directly to her, out of love, out of love. I don't know about you, but I've not found our world a particularly hopeful and encouraging place over the last two years. You think it's just over two years ago now since the pandemic started. By the end of last year, there was all this talk that was right um, up in the media about climate change, about how um, all that was going to impact us. That's all still there. And then the last 50-plus days, we've had this terrible war and loss of life in Ukraine. And we can look around and we can see, well, all these events are so much bigger than we are, and we can feel so hopeless. We can feel, well, what part have I got in a world that is like this? What can I do against all of this? We can feel forgotten in the midst of crisis. Add on to that, each of us has our own personal lives, don't we? With our own hopes and our dreams, with our own aspirations, but also with our own fears and anxieties and problems. And sometimes it can all weigh really heavily when hope goes. But on Resurrection Day, here's Mary, finding herself part of an event that is far bigger than she is. far An event that is, is far wider, far broader, far more exciting than she could ever imagine. And yet Jesus calls her by name. Just think of that for a moment. Jesus calls her by name. She belongs. She is not forgotten. Now perhaps today that is all you need to hear. That Jesus is calling you by name. He loves you. This is what resurrection, this is what Calvary is all about. It's the love of God, that unconditional love of God. Not that we can deserve it or earn it. But just simply out of his heart of love, he comes and he calls us. Jesus is calling each of us today, calling each of us to a new life with him. Now, whether you've accepted that new life with him 50, 60, 70 years ago, whether you're on the cusp of saying yes to following Jesus, that call is a personal one. It's Jesus standing in front of you, calling you, and saying, will you follow me in repentance and faith? Will you believe in who I am? Will you accept the death of Christ on the cross for all that rubbish stuff in our lives and walk into a new life? In a moment, we'll hear Bob's story about how that has happened to him, about how he's heard Jesus call him by name and he said yes. And when we say yes to Jesus, then the gates of eternity are open to us. All the hopes of resurrection day become ours to live in. Not just for the life to come, but for this life as well. Paul writes in Romans 8:11, The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Just think about that. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been filled with the Spirit, if you've been sealed by the Spirit today, the power that brought Jesus out of the tomb is at work in your bodies, in your mind, in your heart today. Isn't that amazing? That amazingly good news? That same power that brought Jesus from the dead. So can I encourage you today, whether you've been a Christian for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, I don't see anyone been a Christian longer than that in this room, keep going. Keep remembering that Jesus, the risen Christ, the one who is bigger than all of us, calls us by name. If you haven't said yes to that call, just listen out for Jesus calling your name. And when you hear it, say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you again this morning that you are the conqueror of death. We thank you that as you rose from the tomb, hope is reborn. We thank you that as you walked out of that grave on Easter Sunday morning, it reminds us that in you, when we follow you, we too will be raised on the last day and be with you forever and ever. And just as Jesus called Mary by name, so we thank you that you call us by name as well help us to respond to you this morning for jesus sake amen